0: Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. It's A Monday Night Raw! This fight's It's WrestleRant Radio. And we're back, folks, right here on Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, May 9th, 2019. I am Graham Jesus Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well, and I promise you. Today's edition, a lot like the last few weeks, will very much live up to the WrestleRant Radio name, and I feel like that hasn't always been the case since I started doing the show five, six years ago. I try to be as positive as I can about the WWE product, and anyone who has been following me for any stretch of time would know that I try to speak as optimistically as possible about WWE and pro wrestling on the whole. I feel like that's my shtick to be like the Diamond Dallas Page of wrestling podcasting, and wrestling journalism to be as positive as possible. Unfortunately, when you get shows like you did this past week with Raw and slightly SmackDown to a degree, it's hard to be positive. It's hard to maintain optimism when it comes to WWE when they do dumb shit like that. So we'll talk all about it here on today's WrestleRant radio breaking down raw and smackdown from this past week and the fucking wild card rule oh my god i cannot wait to get into that and you guys know i hate the whole idea of diminishing the brand split which i'm a big proponent of i have always been a big proponent of the brand split i talked about this ad nauseum on past episodes here of the show so i'll give a a bridge version a little later on when it comes to this wild card rule but Trust me when I tell you, I have a lot to talk about and a lot to say when it comes to this wild fucking card rule. Uh, Nonetheless, though, like I said, guys, this is WrestleRant Radio uh, for May 9th, 2019. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. If you want to check out full episodes of the show, you can do so by simply subscribing on the iTunes machine. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. You'll get every new show on Thursdays. Be sure to uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. It is now easier than ever to check out WrestleRant Radio and all of its archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. So, if you love this episode or last week's episode, be sure to check out all the older episodes too. It's not just me. In the past, I've usually had a lot of great guests. Uh, a lot of great guests come here on the show with me to help break down the world of wrestling, whether it be fellow fans, friends, family members. Uh, we've even had you know, wrestlers here on the show many times in the past. We've had Tessa Blanchard on, we've had Chris Jericho on, Ryback, Tyrus, uh, formerly known as Brodus Clay, uh, Goldberg. We've had a lot of great guests here on the show over the last six years, so be sure to check out all the older episodes, if you haven't already, in the archives of WrestleRant Radio. As for me, you can find me on the socials on Twitter, at WrestleRant, for my full ranting thoughts on the WWE and so much more as well as on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews, and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash matthews. So before we get into the full Raw review from this past week, which I did not talk about um, in full last week, last week I spent a good chunk of time talking about where Dean Ambrose will end up next, in my opinion, so if you want my full analysis on where I think John Moxley might end up, whether it be AEW or Ring of Honor or Impact or... Let's not kid ourselves, probably AEW. Um, Be sure to check out that episode if you haven't already. But uh, yeah, today we're talking Raw in full, SmackDown in full, the latest updated card for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which has since added two more matches to the card. Uh, I would assume on the kickoff show, the Cruiserweight Championship will be defended. The current champion, Tony Nice, taking on the challenger, Aria Daivari. Should be a fine match. And on the main card, I'm just mentioning this stuff now because I'll likely forget. Um, also added to the main card for the United States Championship, Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio beat Samoa Joe in last week's show, therefore earning himself an uh, an opportunity at the title at the upcoming pay-per-view. So, two So, more good additions to the show. It's already a stacked card as it is. These four-hour events can be tiresome. They can uh, be very fatiguing, but it's going to be an enjoyable event, I would assume, uh, just based on the current lineup of the pay-per-view. And Money in the Bank is... Very rarely a bad show. I don't think in the near 10 years that we've had this Money in the Bank pay-per-view that we've had a bad installment of the event yet. And considering that I'll be there next Sunday for the show, I would hope that it's going to be good. So maybe we'll have someone on next week to help give picks, previews, and predictions for every match on the show before I'm there live with Alexis uh, next Sunday in Hartford. Going to be a great time. But like I said, let's kick things off on a positive note here when speaking about the state of WWE, and this has nothing to do with the main roster, but in addition to Connecticut getting the Money in the Bank pay-per-view next Sunday, which may I remind you, Connecticut has not gotten, probably for good reason, a pay-per-view here since 2004. It was rumored at one point that we were going to get, I think, the July pay-per-view, Uh, back in 2017, which ended up being Great Balls of Fire, and that ended up going to, I want to say, Texas? Somewhere in Texas. So we didn't get that show. Uh, The last show that we got was Vengeance, 2004, and that was 15 years ago. Connecticut crowds are not always the greatest. No one will ever mistake Connecticut for being New York, Miami, uh, not Miami, but like New York, Chicago, Canada, England, whatever. Like, when I think the greatest crowds, I throw Miami in there because sometimes they can be a bit... Louder than the usual WWE audience, but New York, Chicago, Canada, um, definitely United Kingdom are always the audiences that I think create the most noise. In addition, obviously, the weeks after, you know, the week after WrestleMania. So, Connecticut, not a, you know, not known for being a very rowdy crowd when it comes to the WWE shows, but it should be a fun time. And I think I joked either here on the show or on hashtag AskGSM just recently that TakeOver would never go to Connecticut. Oh, why would NXT ever go to Connecticut? They're always, you know, going to the bigger states, bigger bigger cities, like Los Angeles, like Brooklyn, like, uh, you know, New York City, whatever. We've been to, or NXT has been to Toronto. They were in Dallas. They went to Chicago. They've been to all the big cities over the last number of years since they started traveling for these TakeOvers. Well... NXT is headed to Bridgeport, Connecticut um, on June 1st, the day before my birthday, so this works out wonderfully, because I was already planning on watching the show anyway, the day before the B-Day, but just as it turns out, the event will be emanating from my backyard, not my literal backyard, but like here near my hometown in Connecticut, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, so it's going to be a great time, it is the 25th installment of TakeOver, technically the 26th live event that they've done, if you include Arrival, but... Triple H said in a video for WWE.com on Wednesday that technically a rival doesn't count, and he's right because it wasn't really a takeover, it was a live special. But nonetheless, Takeover 25, as they're currently calling it, will be emanating from the um, Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport. Been to a number of WWE shows there, I've been to a handful of. Um, house shows there over the years. So it's going to be a fun time. I think it's going to be a good show. NXT never ceases to amaze me, never ceases to entertain me. The product has been great consistently for the last couple of years. And as I've said before here on the show, as I talked about with Alexis in our WrestleMania weekend recap episode of WrestleRant Radio about a month ago, um, TakeOver Brooklyn, or TakeOver New York rather, the one that we were at over WrestleMania weekend, was the greatest takeover I've ever seen and probably the greatest wrestling show I've ever been in attendance for. So, TakeOver 25 in Bridgeport is going to have a lot to live up to, but even with the departures of Ricochet and Aleister Black and Kyrie Sane, the roster still has a lot of star power left over. Uh, we have Johnny Gargano, the NXT champion, and I'm recording this before NXT on Wednesday, so I'm not exactly sure what they've announced for TakeOver yet, but I would assume it's Gargano and Cole, again, for the NXT Championship. And I don't know how they top their classic from New York, but they can try considering their chemistry. So I, I would assume that's a likely going to be the main event for TakeOver Bridgeport. TakeOver 25 actually sounds a lot better, let's be honest. Uh, we have that. Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai. I would assume that's the direction they're headed in for the NXT Women's Championship-based stuff, what we've seen over the past month. Uh, for the NXT Tag Team titles, I don't know. Because as of right now, the Viking Raiders, which I fucking hate calling them, but the Viking Raiders are still technically the NXT Tag Team Champions. Um, I mean, they don't show the championships on WWE TV, which is strange, because, you know, like when Gargano and Shapo were champions, when they were called up for all of two weeks a few months ago, they brought their championships with them. So I don't know why the Viking Raiders would be any different. Maybe it's because they, you know Vince doesn't want them to be associated with Developmental now that they're on the main roster. I, I don't know. So I'm not sure if they're defending the championships at TakeOver, if they've already vacated them. I know they taped TV for NXT last week, which I would assume is starting to air this week on Wednesday, which, again, has already aired by the time this has gone up. I'm just recording this um, before the fact. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they're defending it at takeover, if they've already vacated the titles, I'm not sure. But there's plenty of teams ready to step up and take those titles um, in the absence of the Viking Raiders. They have the Street Profits, they have Oni Lurkin and Danny Burch, they have the Forgotten Sons, they have a few other teams that they can always plug in that spot if they wanted to. I think the Street Profits are as good of a fit as anyone for those tag team titles right now. Uh, I'm shocked they haven't already won them. And I said look, close to a year ago, I wanted the Street Profits to win the tag team titles in day over WrestleMania weekend. It didn't happen. But the subsequent takeover that I'm hoping to also be at would be the next best thing. So I'm hoping to see that happen in Bridgeport with the Street Profits becoming the new NXT tag team champions. Whether they beat the Viking Raiders or another team, that's what I want to see happen. So that's three matches right there. We have the Velveteen Dream um, not really. Currently locked in a feud, he has been teasing facing the NXT, or uh, he, he's the NXT North American champion. He has teased in recent weeks facing uh, Dominic Dijakovic. So I could see that being the takeover match. I had heard somewhere that that feud was dropped at the most recent set of NXT tapings, TV tapings. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but that'd be a great match for takeover. Dijakovic is great. Um, I don't think the UK title will be defended unless. You know, something happens at the last minute. They always could do Walter and Pete Dunne too. But as far as I understand, that was taped for an upcoming episode of NXT UK. So I don't think that's happening at TakeOver either. But that's four matches right there. Um, I would love to see if Dijakovic doesn't face, um, if he doesn't face Velveteen Dream, Dijakovic and Keith Lee, which they never followed up on prior to TakeOver in New York. So that would be a great undercard match. Uh, they have a lot of star power right now. Kushida's on the card. Kushina hopefully will be on the card. Um, he just beat Cassius Ono in his in-ring debut for NXT last Wednesday. So hopefully he makes the card in Bridgeport. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, TakeOver 25 should be a great show, as is every fucking TakeOver. And it's not going to be Brooklyn levels of enthusiasm from the Bridgeport audience. But Connecticut's not a bad crowd. Let's just say it's not Corpus Christi. Let's put it that way. It's, it's hard to have any crowd beat fucking Corpus Christi, Texas, which is... Notoriously known for being one of the worst audiences in WWE history for how quiet and how awful they've been for other WWE shows, I think Bridgeport will be better. So, don't uh, you know, don't fret too much for those hoping that they were gonna be in a better in a better city. Go back to Full sale. Bridgeport will be just fine. And selfishly speaking, I'm looking forward to it because again, it's a day before my birthday. So how can I not be excited? And it's NXT too. Talk about the best birthday gift ever. Um, but that's where the positivity ends. For rant Radio today, a mere 12 minutes into the show, 12-13 minutes as we start off the show here today, as we get into Raw and SmackDown from this past week. Good God, what a fucking abomination was this week's Raw, and I went into the show with some enthusiasm, hoping that it can't get any, possibly any worse, than last week's atrocious show. Last week's show was by no means awful, but it was far from great. And I was hoping this week's episode would be an improvement. Unfortunately, it was the exact opposite. It was even worse in one of the worst episodes of Raw I've seen in some time. And that's saying a lot. That is saying a lot. Raw has been in such a sucky state now for, I would argue, close to six months. And that is really fucking alarming. Because there are periods of Raw where, you know, it's bad for a month or two, maybe even three months, but they bounce back. They either have better creative or they come across they come across a great pay-per-view where it's really kind of the turnaround for Raw. Or the shake-up happens and Raw is all of a sudden a lot better. Unfortunately, the shake-up accomplished nothing. Because although people are on different shows now, we have the wild card rule, which allows superstars from Raw and SmackDown to switch shows for one night only on any given week. There was no indication given by Vince McMahon who's himself who had called this a brilliant idea and the guy was fucking... Uh, You know, creaming all over himself this past week at the idea of this wild card rule. Calling himself a genius. How brilliant am I? This is such a great idea. It's awful. It accomplishes nothing. It's stupid. It serves no purpose. And obviously, above all else, diminishes the brand split even more than anything else they've done in the last couple of months. Which is a lot. They've done a lot of that since the start of 2019. The whole issue with not assigning NXT stars to a certain show right from the get-go was a problem. Having superstars like Matt Hardy and Kevin Owens randomly appear on SmackDown despite previously being assigned to Raw is a problem. Having people switch shows and appear on both shows in the same week like Becky Lynch before she became a dual champion in Charlotte Flair was a problem. But this is their biggest problem to date. The fucking wild card rule, everybody. Again, as I mentioned, started out as three, now turned to four by the end of Raw this week when Lars Sullivan showed up out of nowhere. And Vince McMahon caved in his own rule and changed it from three to four. So even he doesn't know the consistency of his own rules. Um, allows three or four people from any given brand, or it's specifically Raw and SmackDown, let's not kid ourselves and assume NXT would be involved in this, or 205 Live, or NXT UK, which would make way too much sense, because they only really care about the top stars here, Um, it would allow them to go to the other show for one night, and for what purpose? I don't know, I really don't, and I'll talk about the nitty gritty of Raw and SmackDown from this past week, but when we get matches that serve no purpose, like Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, yes, they did have a better match this week on Raw than they did at WrestleMania, which fucking sucked. And I wanted to give it faith, not faith, I wanted to give it a chance and hope that it would be good, in hopes that it would be a great match and it'd be hard-hitting and physical. Farthest thing from it, it was a dud of a match. McIntyre lost clean. It sucked, and I was not a fan of that. Um, The match this week was a bit better, but what exactly, by doing a rematch between these two, was... What was the purpose? What exactly was it going to accomplish? Yeah, Roman Reigns got another win over Drew McIntyre. What do you fucking do? It accomplished nothing. And I guess it got Roman Reigns on Raw for one week because he wasn't on SmackDown because I guess he was away during the U- during the uh, for the European tour this past week. I guess they left on Monday night, early Tuesday, whatever. But aside from that, though, this wasn't a one-week thing. Going forward, giving us random matches, yeah, which are good in the moment, It gives us some good matches like Kofi and AJ and Sami Zayn, which was probably, not even probably it was, the best match between Raw and SmackDown this week. Other than that, what exactly does it do? Because you knew Kofi wasn't going to lose the championship, so why fucking bother? Having a Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan main event on Raw feels so ass-backwards to me. After seeing that match, why why would I have any incentive to watch SmackDown? Why? I just saw the WWE title defended on Raw. And yeah, they added another WWE Championship match to SmackDown, but at the same time, it was a match that was great, but with a very obvious outcome. And they didn't advertise it in advance either. It wasn't like it was hyped up over the course of a week or two, or even a fucking day. They announced the match the night of the show. So, again, you don't really get viewers in the middle of a show. I would assume, and again, I'm no... TV ratings expert here, but I don't think on a two-hour show like SmackDown, if they announce a WWE title match at the start of the show, I don't think the ratings will increase going into the second hour, because how are people supposed to know that they've announced the WWE title match? And yeah, they could announce it on social media, on their website. By that point, it's too little too late. By the start of the show, most people have already made up their minds whether they want to watch SmackDown or not, because of anything they've hyped up Prior to that point, and the WWE title match was not made official until the start of the show. So that made no sense. And again, we're going to talk all about this in the specifics of my Raw and SmackDown reviews. But when it comes to this fucking wild card rule, I just don't see how this is supposed to help. their very obvious problem they're dealing with right now in the ratings. The ratings are terrible and we can argue all day long how valuable are the ratings, they mean nothing, they're outdated, they're passe, they're this, they're that. I completely understand all the criticism because I've heard it a million times before. I've been one of those people before. The ratings may not be the most accurate in 2019. Not everyone watches shit on cable and through TV. Some people watch it through streaming sites and YouTube and social media, blah, 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 blah. But the issue is, is that social media, these streaming sites and everything else have been around now for five to 10 years. And the ratings were better five to 10 years ago. The product may not have been that much better, but the ratings were. So it's very clear that with the creative not improving and there not being any stars for people to tune in to see, people are starting to drift away. They're starting to leave. Their core audience that they knew that they had years ago, that they could always rely on to tune into Raw through thick and thin, is starting to erode away. They're, they don't have that core audience anymore. They still do in the fact in, in the form of like a million or two people, one or two million people, but that's not enough. This was a show that would consistently do at least 3 million people, which is nothing compared to the Attitude Era numbers, which would be like fucking 9 million, I understand that. But by modern, you know, numbers, that wasn't too terrible. At least they always had that solid 3 million base. They don't even have that anymore. Both Raw and Smackdown, the ratings are down, not only are they just down from last year, they're down like 25%. That's a fucking alarming number. That is really, really bad. And with the creative being worse than it's ever been, you would have to assume, oh, a better creative will increase better ratings. But as I just got done talking about on hashtag AskGSome on Wednesday, I feel like the damage is done. Even if Triple H was to take over tomorrow, let's say Vince wakes up tomorrow, realizes how bad his product has been, gets off whatever the fuck he's smoking, and realizes, listen, my product sucks. I need to pass this on to someone who knows what they're doing, like a Triple H, based off his work, in NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, which are infinitely better now than they were prior to Triple H coming in and taking the reins of those respective brands. Um, even if Triple H was to take full creative control of Raw tomorrow, would it change anything? Honestly, I would argue, we won't know unless it happens, until it happens, which you know is only inevitable. I just don't think it happens anytime soon. Vince will be around till the day he dies. He will be booking Raw from his fucking deathbed if that's what needs to happen in order for him to be in control of his own show. But even if Triple H took control tomorrow, I feel like the damage is done. I feel like that core audience is not going to come back knowing that the product is better. It's the same way that when WCW was bought out, those fans did not tune into WWE. They just went away and never came back. Because they saw WWE, creatively, as the inferior product. So why would they fucking cave in and watch the uh, opponent that they so long wanted to see fail and ultimately succeeded and took out their favorite wrestling company. A lot of people just did not come back. And WWE said tried so fucking hard over the last 20 years to get those fans back that left when the Attitude Era died. After WCW was bought out, those fans never came back. But they tried really, really hard to get them back by bringing in Sting, by bringing back Goldberg, by bringing back Hulk Hogan a million times, by doing this, by doing that. And you would think that they're almost copying... The WCW formula, by making their Monday night show so fucking bad, but they're almost copying WCW in all the wrong ways. This show is as bad as it has been in a long time. And again, that's saying something. Because Raw has been bad over the years. But you would think it's like a month or two. And I can tell you, watching consistently, not not having missed an episode of Raw, in close to 11 years, since I started watching back in 2008, We've all seen the bad. We've all seen the ugly. This is pretty ugly. When you sit through a three-hour show, and there are very few redeemable you know, redeemable qualities about this show, both from an in ring standpoint, promo standpoint, character standpoint, what have you, that's bad. On a three-hour show, and now it's starting to bleed into SmackDown. At least three years ago, when the brand split first started, Raw kind of sort of sucked, because they were relying on the same matches every single week with Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Chris Jericho, and Seth Rollins, but SmackDown was killing it. They had a very limited roster, and they were making the most of everyone they had. Since then, they've likely doubled their roster numbers by calling up people from NXT they have no idea what to do with, um, not letting people go, and it seems the only time people are, not released, but leave this company, leave WWE, is at their own volition, is if they want to leave, is if they ask for their release unless you get fucking accused of rape or involved in a backstage incident, it seems they are willing to hold on to anyone. Not that they really care about where they go in the case of, like, a Ty Dillinger or a Tyler Breeze. Ty Dillinger was let go because he wanted to be let go. They weren't going to let the guy go, um, not because they didn't see him as a threat in AEW or another promotion, just because... Why bother letting them go when we have all the money in the world? It's not a cost-cutting measure anymore. It used to be the budget cuts. You know, 10 years ago, we would get like the Black Friday cuts. Um, I remember they had one back in like 2014. They cut like fucking 11 people. And that was right, coincidentally enough, right after the network launched and they were cutting back on costs. This company is making more money hand over fist than they have ever done at any other point in their existence. Yet the creative is as bad as it is Because Vince fails to see the future. He fails to adapt adapt with the times and make new stars. That's their biggest problem right now, is making new stars. They're way too focused and way too busy bringing in people from the past. I mean, Triple H has always really been on TV, but not from an uh, in-ring standpoint. You know, he hasn't wrestled, but he'll always have a match at WrestleMania. John Cena will always be around in some form or fashion. And he's part of that old guard now. Cena has not been consistently on WWE TV in years. It's been at least four or five years since Cena was a an integral uh, factor in the WWE programming. He's just not anymore, and for good reason, because there's really not much more for him to do, and they have to move on. But the issue is that with Cena being gone, there's no one for fans to look forward to see. And I hate saying that, because people like me love Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, but I'm talking about the bigger picture here, the... The casual audience that WWE so desperately wants to win over, I understand why, but they also have to focus on their core audience that pays their good money for their network and their shows and go to the events. Those are the people that are still paying good money to go to the shows, at least what's left of that core audience, because WWE has been ignoring its audience, has been ignoring that core audience for so long now. Those people, at least some of them are starting to leave. They're not buying tickets to the shows anymore. They're not watching Raw, they're not watching SmackDown, they're not subscribed to the network anymore because they gave up. If WWE doesn't care about you and me, then why the fuck should we care? And that's a very valid that's a very ra- valid reason to not want to watch this show anymore, to not want to watch Raw. Cuz if they don't want to do what you and I want to see happen, what you can't do all the time, obviously it's a very cliché phrase at this point but what's best for business may not always be what we want to see but some of these things that we watch on raw it's not that it's just dull or it doesn't interest me like that's all you know whatever if if, you know I don't like fucking this guy or that guy getting a push that's purely my opinion I'm not the biggest Roman Reigns fan in the world I like Roman Reigns I'm not his biggest supporter but the fact that he's doing this instead of that that's that's merely nitpicking But it seems like they go out of their way sometimes to do the exact opposite of what fans want us to see. Not only do they not listen to us, they do the exact opposite of what we want to see on their weekly television shows. Case in point, the fucking revival that I just got done talking about a week ago with the humiliation of the former Raw Tag Team Champions and the USO shit, the the back shaving shit on last week's Raw, not only does it damage the on-air reputation, whatever the fuck that means, of the revival, um, which is whatever, we knew they were on their way out, why the fuck would they want to push them if they are on their way out? I, I get it. At the same time, though, it not only is it, you know, disappointing, or, you know, it, it, it sucks to see someone that you've supported and want to see succeed get quote-unquote buried, and I do not use that term all the time. I use it, I, I don't use the term loosely, let's put it that way, but the revival have been buried pretty promptly, too, in the matter of two weeks with the dumb shit that they're doing with The Usos. It's not really anything that, not that it just doesn't interest me, it's a direct turnoff to me and many other members of this audience. It's like they're going out of their way to make the show as bad as possible. Between this, the shoes thing, the, uh, the Chuck Taylors thing with Alexa Bliss about a week ago, when her and Naomi had a match, but the entire match was focused on Alexa Bliss unable to being uh, unable to keep her shoes on during the course of the contest. What the fuck was that? That's not creative. It's just pure laziness. It's the epitome of lazy writing. It's like that gif from Deadpool 2 when uh, Deadpool looks at the camera and says, "That's lazy writing." That's what Raw is. That's literally Raw in one fucking gif. Is the Deadpool 2 gif with him saying, "That's that's just lazy writing." That's Raw in a nutshell these days. And there are things I do enjoy about the show. I liked what they did with AJ Styles and Seth Rollins this week. With AJ teasing a heel turn, which he's not completely heel, but it seems like they're going in that direction, which is intriguing. I like that. I do. But it seems like the show is so formulaic and has been for such a long time now that it's finally starting to come back and bite them in the ass because we've been complaining about this shit, start off the show with a 20-minute promo segment. There is no reason this week for Raw to open with a near 30-minute talking segment between Vince McMahon, Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and AJ Styles. No reason to have a show that is three hours start off with a 30-minute talking segment that could have been summed up in... You know, two words—the wild card rule—or three words, whatever. It could have been a real quick five-minute segment with Vince McMahon establishing the rules of this wild card with with the with establishing the rules of this wild card rule, which again, I'm not a fan of whatsoever. Completely defeats the purpose of the superstar shakeup. We just saw Roman Reigns on Raw a few weeks ago. to have him back so soon. Completely defeats the purpose of having a fucking brand split. Keep the people separate so it means more when we see them clash down the road. But they don't think long-term. They like to think short-term. The hot-shot booking is what killed the first brand split. It was already on its way out anyway. And we argue about, like, oh, the brand split the first time lasted, yeah, officially about 10 years. But really, let's face it, the first brand split died after, like, three or four. After three or four years, there really wasn't much of a brand split. They had people appear in other people's shows anyway. And this process, they just kind of sped up like, times three, um, you know, times ten, compared to the previous brand split, which they try to drag out unofficially as long as possible, until they finally pulled the plug in, like, 2011-2012, and they had the dumb super show shit that served also no purpose. Because if I see these people on Raw, if I see Roman Reigns on Raw, who is supposed to be exclusive to SmackDown, if he's supposed to be exclusive to SmackDown, then why would I have any incentive to watch him on SmackDown this week? I just got my fill of him on Raw. And I I feel like I've been complaining about this for years now with the lack of a brand split. And I can see why people don't like a brand split. Oh, it you know, it gives us the same matches all the time. The roster isn't deep enough. Yes, it fucking is. It is deep enough. The issue is the company. It's not a brand split. It's not even the lack of a brand split. WWE, until they change their approach and start to create more stars that can be on the level of a John Cena or a Triple H or an Undertaker or a Batista or a Randy Orton, nothing will change. Things will remain the same no matter what. Raw was pretty bad at various points in 2015. Um, It was a great year overall, in my opinion, creatively, for WWE. But by the end there, we are seeing the same shit on both Raw and SmackDown. I would see Roman Reigns beat uh, Sheamus on Raw. And then he would beat two more members of the League of Nations on SmackDown. And then beat three members of that same faction the very next week on Raw. It was the same shit recycled every fucking week. SmackDown was Raw light. If you you do away with the brand split, I think this company is way worse off. There are many people that would not even sniff television time if the brand split was not around. The brand split, yeah, four or five years ago... May not have been the best idea because the biggest argument against bringing back the brand split was because they didn't have a deep enough they didn't have a deep enough roster. That was the whole purpose of the brand split back in 2002 was because they brought in all the talent from WCW. They had this great influx of talent from WCW that they really had no choice but to do a brand split because if they still had the shared shows, it would have been a fucking mess. It would have been a mess. And before anyone argues, oh, you know, they had that back in 99 and 2000 and 01, before the brand split and SmackDown was great back then, listen, it's not the fucking Attitude Era. It's not. And we also have a bigger roster now than we did back then. If you combine the rosters for Raw and SmackDown, I almost guarantee you we have more people on the roster now than we did back then. Definitely a more talented roster, too. Yeah, they were having people appear in both shows from 99 to 2001, but those people included Naked Midian and fucking dumb shit like that. It was terrible. At least now we have a deep enough roster where I don't think a lot of these people would be appearing at all on Raw or SmackDown if we see, like, for example, Kofi Kingston on both Raw and SmackDown this week. That's great. I saw all of 30 seconds of the women on Raw this week because of that Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match that could have been saved for SmackDown, because of that one main event, the Raw Tag Team Champions didn't get an entrance. Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio were subjected to a backstage segment. Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch got all of two or three minutes, and the rest of the women were doing fuck all on Raw this week. They did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. And that's just the, that's just the beginning of it. When you really look at the people that are subjected and relegated to doing absolutely nothing on these shows as it is, I think getting rid of the brand split would make that situation even worse. Even worse. You will not see a large part of this roster, whether it be Raw or SmackDown, with this wildcard rule. Barty Murphy, I could have sworn that he was announced as being a SmackDown superstar via the Superstar Shakeup about a month ago. Where the fuck has he been? Where has he been? They could have had him debut on this week's show had they not had um, AJ Styles and Sami Zayn also appear on the show, or the Usos. The Usos, I kind of get which they should keep them on Raw, but this company doesn't think. For anyone saying that, oh, the wildcard rule is a positive because it helps build the SmackDown tag team division, or the Raw women's division, yeah, you're right, but then why fucking deplete the two divisions in the first place? That's the company's fault. The company probably should not have split up the bar, and I know Sheamus is hurt anyway, but they probably should not have split up certain tag teams if they didn't have any tag teams put to put in the SmackDown Tag Team division. The SmackDown Tag Team division had a lot of teams I could have sworn three months ago. What the fuck happened? They now have Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Who cares? The B team. Who cares? Heavy Machinery. Who the fuck cares? Who cares? And you can't put all your chips in one basket with brian and rowan are the hardy boys who i love but had the hardy boys not gotten hurt who knows what ryan and uh brian and rowan would have been doing had they gone to the tag team division would they have entered the tag team ranks i highly doubt it i really do i really do and the hardy boys would have been left with nothing to do it's not like they were doing anything of note anyway they won the tag team titles a month ago barely appeared on tv after that where the fuck was the tag team champions after that where were they The wildcard rule will not solve their problems. It merely puts a fucking band-aid on a gunshot wound. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make the slightest bit of sense. The whole ratings thing, like, again, this is another thing that doesn't really... It doesn't sit well with me, because I don't get it. So, by bringing Roman Reigns over to Raw, which was dumb enough as it was, by bringing Roman Reigns over to Raw, will that really make people want to watch Raw? if people aren't watching SmackDown with Roman Reigns on SmackDown, oh, Roman Reigns is on SmackDown. It's going to improve the ratings. Well, it didn't. The ratings went down with Roman Reigns on the show. That's not Roman's fault, but it's not like people are tuning into SmackDown in you know in, in swarms to see Roman Reigns. They're not. So why would they tune into Raw to see the same guy they already saw on SmackDown who wasn't really doing anything to pique their interest? It's just infuriating to me. When you really break down this lack of brand split that they're headed towards in the wildcard rule, which apparently was as a result of pressure from Fox and USA Network and NBC, whatever, because of the low, low ratings. How low can we go? It's like the fucking limbo with Raw these days. How low can we go with the creative direction of the show in the ratings? The ratings I'm not so much concerned about because I'm not an advertiser. I'm not WWE. I watch the show every week. I'm doing what I can To support the WWE in that respect, I only really care about the creative direction as a fan. Because after tuning in, what am I getting from week to week? Is it shit? Is it great? More often than not, it's a whole pile of shit. And only very few of what they give to us on Raw nowadays is slightly bearable, is good, is entertaining. But it's going to take more than AJ Styles turning heel in the Firefly Funhouse to make me want to watch Raw and make me excited to want to tune into the show every Monday night. Because as it is right now, they are failing big time in that department. I don't know how long this thing will last. They gave no indication of it, of whether it's going to be happening post-pay-per-views, or if it's going to be saved for special occasions, or if it's going to be happening every single week. I do not know. But again, if AJ and Sammy and The Usos and all these other people are appearing on the opposite shows where their rivals are not. Again, how does this build excitement for Money in the Bank? Yes, they did further the Kevin Owens, Kofi Kingston feud on SmackDown this week, but the whole idea of, oh, special match, special match, special match, it was a great match that's not going to improve the ratings. If people didn't watch Raw with AJ Styles on it, why would they want to watch SmackDown with AJ on it if they already saw him on Raw this week? Again, it's just ass-backwards booking. It was definitely something they thought of at the last minute, thinking that would be... It's like fucking forgetting that you have a paper due for a class. And then you're just... You know, you're scrambling last minute to put something together. Something at least legible and at least comprehensible to the point where you think you'll pass. That's what I feel like they did here with the wild card rule. They were scrambling to find anything, something, anything, to fix their problems with the ratings. The show NBC and USA Network and Fox, that, hey, look, we're working on it, we're trying to find a solution. So they put together this shit, that, again, long-term, doesn't do anything. Maybe in a bottle, in, you know, in a vacuum, to the NBC officials, and the Fox executives, hey, that's a great idea, why didn't we think of this before, blah, 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 when in reality, it really doesn't accomplish anything, and they'll soon see that when the ratings come out, and they're like, hey, we thought you thought that this would do well, what happened? And clearly, it didn't. Maybe for a week or two, I think raw audience viewership was up overall this week. And if so, that's tremendous. Long term, though, they're still avoiding the issue of creating new stars. And what's even worse is that unlike three or four or five years ago, they have the roster to do it. It's not just two or three people they're focusing on here. They have AJ Styles. They have Seth Rollins. They have Daniel Bryan. They have a lot of great talent between those two brands. A lot of whom they're not doing anything with. A guy like EC3. Not to say that he could be WWE Champion. He could mean a hell of a lot more right now. If they actually put effort into pushing him. Not everyone can get a push at the same time. I absolutely realize that. But then at that point. Just let people go. Tyler Breeze. Love the guy. Why is he on the roster? Really. I know they need people to lose to other people. But if he serves no purpose to WWE, just let him go. Luke Harper willingly wants to leave. And in doing so, could help WWE so they have one less person on their payroll. Have one less person on the roster that they're not doing anything with. And better yet, it could help Luke Harper and benefit his own career if he goes elsewhere and becomes a big name, whether it be in Impact or maybe not impact, but AEW, Ring of Honor, etc, etc. But they like to hoard talent. They love to hoard talent. In long term, it just does way more damage. It, just, it, it does way more harm than good, at least in my opinion. <sighs> just, you know, they want to bring back Goldberg for the Saudi Arabia show and The Undertaker and this guy and that guy, but who the fuck can possibly care? It's not like these people like Goldberg are being brought back to put over the younger stars. Goldberg's run, as great as it was, did not benefit anybody. Brock Lesnar took a few steps back only to take those same steps forward. He didn't, wasn't a bigger star after beating Goldberg. He was the same star that he was prior to Goldberg coming in. It was a great little program. And not everything has to benefit everybody, especially the younger stars. But in a case like this... Certain people are not, given being, are not giving those opportunities and instead they're going to people that are already established and don't really have anything to offer at this point in their respective careers. Aside from a temporary boost in viewership or pay-per-view buys. But even that, I think WWE is starting to realize that's starting to wear thin. Even The Undertaker at this point is not a big draw, I don't think. Goldberg, Taker, uh, you know, uh, 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 who was I going to mention? Triple H, John Cena. They may... They may make a slight difference, but having these guys, you know, advertising these guys for Raw and for SmackDown, long-term, people are starting to catch on to their bullshit here. It's not going to affect everything. It's not going to affect anything. People start to realize, hey, yeah, they're going to be on Raw this week, but not next week. Their appearances make no difference. People have been catching on to this facade, to to this dumb little... Uh, game that WWE has been playing now for years by bringing in these people for a short period of time, but long term, it does nothing to make you want to watch the WWE product. People realize that. They don't even tune in for the dumb shit. Like Taker's one-off appearance a year, or Goldberg's return match in Saudi Arabia. They gotta work on that. They gotta work on creating new stars. I know we've been saying that for years now, but the lower the ratings get, the more apparent it becomes. The more apparent this issue becomes, they need to fucking work on making new stars. And having a people appear on both shows will not make new stars. It just overexposes the stars they already have, and that's an issue. Raw this week, as previously noted, kicked off with the introduction of the wild card rule from Vince McMahon, with Kofi Kingston coming out, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, who has not been seen since WrestleMania. So, for all the talk about this wild card rule and how dumb it is, um, it was cool to see Bryan more on him in my SmackDown review. And a little later on in the Raw review, I forgot they wrestled on the show. Um, but yeah, they came out, introduced the wild card rule: Three people from SmackDown can appear on Raw. Later changed the four. And then a few people from Raw can appear on SmackDown too. If it's any more than that, people will be suspended or fired. Which also means nothing because people get brought back anyway. So that was the opening segment. Uh, Vince McMahon forced AJ Styles and Seth Rollins to team up, even though they had no interest in doing so. Ultimately, they lost... With Rollins actually taking the pinfall loss for the team, uh, getting pinned, the Universal Champion that is, getting beat by Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley. The match itself was okay. It was actually entertaining at certain points. Seeing AJ and Rollins tease tension and further their feud I thought was great. And again, for as bad as Raw is at the moment, I do like how they're building up this feud between the two and making AJ out to be like kind of the bad guy. He's not like a certified heel yet, and maybe he will be at a certain point. Um, but just doing the plain old tired babyface versus babyface dynamic would have done nothing for me. We saw that going into WrestleMania 34 with Styles and Shinsuke. It was, it was bad. It was pretty boring. Um, and the match itself was fairly underwhelming. Very good, if not a great match. The build left a lot to be desired. Um, so this is a lot better. I like what they're doing here without actually turning AJ, so we'll see if they go full throttle with this at, at some point. But yeah, Corbin beating Rollins was interesting. Because now we can use that to brag about... Uh, Corbin is a fucking ratings killer. Um, he's definitely not the sole reason why the Raw ratings are bad. I did not mention him once during my uh, near hour-long rant about the state of WWE. But having him come out for the first match of the show probably isn't going to help matters either. But yeah, he and Bobby beat Rollins and AJ. I'm sure Corbin will use that... As a reason for him to go for the championship after Money in the Bank. Our worst fears could be realized come the June pay-per-view. If they have Corbin go for the Universal Championship against Rollins. uh, After what we saw here. But solely speaking for what they did with Seth and Styles. I liked it. And I'm looking forward to the match at Money in the Bank. Uh, Braun Strowman came out afterward to interrupt Sami Zayn. Who has been going off in the WWE Universe for weeks now. Ever since the week after WrestleMania. And the promos have been great. The issue is that he didn't really have a dance partner, didn't really have a rival. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, so the promos are great, but how long can this go on for before it starts to get old? And it was starting to get to that point. Thankfully, he finally has a rival. Unfortunately, it's Braun Strowman. We've seen the feud before with the roles reversed a few years ago, and they work well together, so I'm not exactly, like, it it could be worse. I will say that. But Strowman just does nothing for me at this point. The guy is ice cold and has not won a major match in a while. Yeah, he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Whoop-de-fucking-do. And he's in the Money in the Bank ladder match. who is was also another match he's not winning because he won it last year and failed to cash in the contract successfully. A Strowman-Zayn feud could be entertaining, but based off what we saw here with Strowman tossing Sami Zayn into a fucking dumpster, which is where this show belongs... Uh, it reeks of the Braun Strowman-Kevin Owens feud from a year ago, which also sucked and accomplished nothing. It made Braun look like the bully, if anything. So, um, yeah, no, I I thought this was all right. I just don't like, I, I don't like where this is going. Because you know how, how often we see people chase after someone else and they stop at like either the stage or by the ring as if there's like a fucking invisible wall there? That didn't happen here. Even though Sammy never once targeted Braun. And never did anything to ever insult Braun or do whatever. He never personally targeted Braun. But Braun comes out. Not only chases him away from the ring. But chases him to the back. And goes so far as to put him in a dumpster. So I thought that was uh, strange. And I don't have high hopes for the feud. But I hope they can exceed my expectations. The Lucha House Party were wrestling. They made their entrance... While all of this was going on, they faced a trio of local athletes for whatever reason. I don't know why. Uh, The match was whatever. I'm not exactly sure what purpose that was supposed to serve. We had a rematch between Ricochet and Robert Roode. A lot of ours there. uh, From two weeks ago where Roode beat Ricochet. And I think I talked about this briefly on the show last week. Where Roode beat Ricochet. Yet it was Ricochet who ended up in the men's Money the Bank ladder match. Made very little sense. Thankfully, they rectified that this week. With Rude claiming, like, listen, I beat Ricochet, I should be in the ladder match, not him. So if Ricochet lost here, Rude would have been added into the match instead of Ricochet. The match was short and sweet, could have lasted longer, but it was fun while it lasted. Ricochet goes over, maintains his spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Lacey Evans also been given an uh, enhancement match against a woman named Ali Katrina. And I don't know who the Lucha House Party faced, their names were never given, but... Uh, Lacey Evans' opponent was, her name was Ali Katrina, got beat promptly by Lacey Evans. This lasted all 30 seconds. Becky came out to brawl with Lacey, which was good. And then we saw Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, and Alexa Bliss all standing by ringside like a bunch of goofs for whatever reason. So the women this week got all of like three minutes of TV time. Between this, and if you want to include the brief backstage segment they got earlier on in the show... With Naomi and Natalya and Dana Brooke all being invited to ringside for this match. Um, they got maybe four minutes of TV time on a three-hour show. That's not good. The Viking Raiders took on the Raw Tag Team Champions Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Uh, good match here. The Viking Raiders went over decisively. Non-title match, of course. Uh, probably earning themselves a future shot at the Raw Tag Team titles. I would assume it Money in the bank, but if they feel that the card is already too stacked, I think there's... Nine or ten matches already advertised, so maybe they don't want to do another match um, on the Money in the Bank card. if They already feel that ten is too much, so we'll see. But um, if not, I could see this ending up on the kickoff show. But the Raw or the uh, Viking Raiders, rather, are just another win or two away from becoming the Raw Tag Team Champions. I like Ryder and Hawkins. They've had a nice Cinderella story so far, but their reign was never meant to be, you know, lengthy. I think the Viking Raiders as the Raw Tag Team Champions is only inevitable. Unfortunately, the crowd sat on their hands for this. They could not have cared less. Um, This was a glorified squash. It's hard to blame the crowd when the Viking Raiders have been poorly defined so far. Like, why do we have any... Why should we be given... Like, there's no reason for us to care about these people. Why should we care about Eric and Ivar, whatever the fuck their names are? No reason to care about these people at all. Ryder and Hawkins, they've had a great you know run so far, but again, not really much of a reason to be given for why we should care about them. So, not all that surprised that the crowd sat on their, sat on their hands for this. The aforementioned rematch from WrestleMania between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre it was actually better than their WrestleMania match, I will say that. It wasn't great, but they picked up the pace in the final few minutes. It was better than I thought it would be. Roman Reigns went over by DQ after Elias got involved in Shane McMahon from SmackDown. Now, Shane is not a SmackDown guy. He's a WWE guy. As, you know, Ever since they did away with the authority figures right after TLC 2018, Shane has not been you know solely assigned to SmackDown. He can appear on both shows, and he has been for months now. So that didn't bother me. What bothered me was Elias showing up. Now, I know Elias is a SmackDown guy, and I know he's feuding with Roman Reigns. But he's just that, a SmackDown guy. And if you include Elias and Lars Sullivan and Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston, that's five people from SmackDown showing up on Raw. Vince said in the original rule that it would be three, then changed it to four. But even with that rule, they still had Elias. This is a fucking mess. Already night one, they can't get their shit straight. It's so infuriating. But yeah, Roman and Elias further their feud. Miz came out to brawl with Shane. Uh, They are facing each other in a steel cage match at Money in the Bank in a couple weeks. The Revival were set to do battle with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson before the Usos came out and humiliated the Revival again after what happened last week with Usy Hot saying that they put it in their tights or something like that or by the shower and then the Revival were fucking running around the ring, wiping their asses on the canvas and all this other dumb shit. I already have said too much. Less said about this, the better. All you need to know is that it was absolute garbage. And that it, like I said earlier, not only hurts the revival, it also does damage to our fan base, to the fucking WWE Universe. Because I don't want to see this shit. I mean, yeah, it sucks to see the revival get used in such a poor way. But even more than that, it's not good television. The only person laughing at this garbage was Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Absolute trash. Next, uh, Lars Sullivan came out to attack No Way Jose, laid out him and his Rosebud wannabes. Um, this was kind of weird. So Sullivan made five SmackDown stars who appeared on Raw. Not three, not even four, but five. So again, like I said before, already one day in, not even, not even a fucking week, a day into this new wild card rule, and WWE cannot stick to their shit that they announced at the start of the show. So stupid. But yeah, Sullivan appeared, laid out No Way Jose, uh, fine segment. The main event, Kofi Kingston beat Daniel Bryan to retain the WWE Championship. Very good match, the outcome wasn't really in doubt, but that capped off a pretty atrocious episode of Raw. The main event was good, everything else, for the most part, did nothing for me, and just culminated what was an absolute shit show of an episode. This was garbage. SmackDown was slightly better, a solid show overall, The episode once again opening up with stars from Raw. AJ Styles and Sami Zayn came in to challenge the WWE champion Kofi Kingston. Questioned whether he really was a fighting champion. Um, A good triple threat match between Styles, AJ, and Zayn. Of course, Kingston going over, retaining his title. Kevin Owens attempted to interfere um, to no avail. He attacked Xavier Woods at ringside. Kofi won anyway. So that was a good main event. Easily the best thing in the entire show. But, um, you know, that's not saying much. But it was a good main event. Earlier on, in the first match on the show, we had Ali and Andrade. Uh, good match while well it lasted, lasted all of like five minutes. So it was really just a sneak peek of what they're actually capable of. But it was fine for what it was. Orton interfered to lay out Ali, lay out Andrade with a pair of RKOs. And Ar- uh, Orton got actually cheered here. He actually got cheered, so that was interesting. Um, which I guess I like, shouldn't be too surprised. Just because Orton's RKOs is like one of the most over things in the act in the entire company. Probably, moreover, than Orton himself is the RKO. Um, but this was a fine way to, you know, hype up the men's Money in the Bank ladder match in a few weeks. We had Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Um, Shane had pronounced them. They, he had announced them the new SmackDown Tag Team champions after the Hardy Boys were forced to vacate the belts last week on the show. The Usos emerged, saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You've done nothing to earn them. You got to beat us." to be the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And if the Usos won here, they would have been the SmackDown Tag Team Champions despite being Raw superstars. So that was fucking dumb. Um, But yeah, Daniel Bryan, Rowan, ultimately won here. This was a good match. The second half was strong. I liked the final few minutes of this. This was great. Uh, Bryan and Rowan going over, definitely the best move they could have made. SmackDown has no tag teams right now. Putting the belts on the Usos would have been a mistake and, you know again, hurt the brand split even more because it probably would have had them appear on SmackDown and Raw. It just it would have been stupid, but um, yeah, they don't really have any other tag teams. They have Heavy Machinery. Who cares? The B Team. Who cares? Nakamura Rusev. Who cares? So Brian and Rowan were probably their best bet. Um, good match here. We'll see where they go with them as tag team champions. I doubt they really do much as tag team champions because there's not really much of a division for them defended against for them to defend against, but. You know, um, we'll see where it goes. Shane McMahon was then supposed to make an announcement regarding the Money in the Bank ladder matches, which never came to fruition because The Miz attacked him from behind um, before the B-team came out, aided Shane in his assault on The Miz. So uh, The Miz was left lying by The B-team, his former Dirage partners, which I think uh, Tom Phillips may have brought up, which was I thought was cool, and uh, Shane McMahon, so fine for what this was. Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville, B Ember Moon and Carmella, complete throwaway match I don't know why they just didn't put a pair of enhancement talent in there because it made Moon and Carmella look like losers Carmella really doesn't do much for me anyway but Ember Moon just came over from Raw has barely made much of an impact and already she's been branded as a loser because she got beat clean got pinned clean as a sheet here by Mandy Rose and that's great for Rose to get a momentum boost before money in the bank but it did nothing for Ember Moon Um, I really would have had Carmella take the pinfall loss here because she's kind of lower on the totem pole for the SmackDown Women's Division than Ember Moon is. Then out came Paige, Kyrie, Sane, and Asuka to say that they are facing Rose and DeVille uh, in tag team action next week. So it's going to be Asuka and Sane versus Rose and DeVille. Should be a good match. And the aforementioned main event, like I talked about earlier, Kingston, Sane, or Kingston Styles, and Zane, kind of mixed up the Zane and Styles last names there, was good. Entertaining match. Nothing to write home about. It was very good, but just the outcome was way too obvious for me to really you know, fully enjoy it. But that was SmackDown this week. A solid show overall, but largely uninspiring, to be honest with you. Um, I thought 205 Live was actually a much better show than Raw and SmackDown were. Uh, it was a good show. We had the Singh Brothers in action. I think Ari Davari took on Noam Dar. And the main event was really good between Akira Tozawa and Mike Kanellis. It was a notice qualification match. So check that out at your leisure. Uh, for some good wrestling. and you know, Ron Smackdown had some good wrestling too, but overall, the creative direction of these shows is almost too bad to bear it. It, It's it's pretty bad. It's pretty atrocious. And that really turns me off on these shows on the whole. But be sure to check out 205 Live NXT for some actual good programming. And we'll be back here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday for an all-new episode breaking down the picks, previews, and predictions for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view next Sunday. So until then, guys, I'm Graham Jason Matthews. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll catch your ass down the road.